Welcome to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Our focus is the novel coronavirus. I'm Josh Sharfstein, a faculty member at Johns Hopkins and also a former secretary of Maryland's Health Department. Our goal with this podcast is to bring evidence and experts to help you understand today's news about the novel coronavirus and what it means for tomorrow. If you have questions, you can email them to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu for future podcast episodes. Today, Stephanie Desmond speaks to Dr. James Fick, the head of orthopedic surgery at the Johns Hopkins Hospital and a former Army colonel. They discuss Fick's work drawing on his military career to set up Maryland's field hospital for COVID-19 patients at the Baltimore Convention Center. Let's listen. Dr. Fickey, thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure, Stephanie, thank you. So this is an unusual operation to set up a field hospital in a convention center in the middle of a city, but you have experience in the Army uh, setting up field hospitals quickly. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, sure. Um, I think we're in unusual times. And so um, I will tell you, I came to Johns Hopkins uh, in 2013. I was in the military for about 30 years. Um, fortunately, had my medical training, but also some lead, a lot of leadership training. And I, uh, you know, I ended up having the privilege of, of leading a combat support hospital, which is now what the Army uh, refers to as a field hospital um, in northern Iraq in 2005. And uh, we had uh, essentially a 250-bed uh, facility that was at the head of the airfield up, uh, up in Mosul. And uh, our our responsibility was to take care of everyone that came in uh, for all hazards. So it was, you know, in that setting, it was, um, it was all the people, over 400 people, that were responsible for supporting our soldiers, but also the, the local nationals and um, in a lot of, uh, a lot of areas that were really, um, you know, illnesses as well as uh, trauma. So, you know, I think that was the background that, uh, that led to me getting the ask, uh, as it were, from, uh, from leadership at Johns Hopkins to, uh, to set up this, uh, this hospital now to uh, treat our our patients that are uh, recovering from uh, coronavirus infections, and here we are. And you are leading this effort with, I understand, a physician from the University of Maryland who also has similar background in, as you. Yes, this is uh, this is a real privilege. Um, in March, Governor Hogan decided uh, and declared the state of Maryland in in a state of emergency because of the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, we were asked, uh, along with University of Maryland uh, system, to uh, co-operate a field hospital that was licensed by the state of Maryland, that was owned by the state of Maryland, but that would be located in Baltimore City in order to uh, to be as part of the surge plan. His plan was for 6,000 additional beds in the cases that were worst modeled 
uh, trends that we were concerned with uh, with the pandemic and the local care of, of uh, patients. And so Dr. Chuck Callahan, who is vice president of population health for University of Maryland, was, uh, was a career army officer. We were both colonels and we both had uh, served in Iraq at different times, but in similar leadership positions. Uh, he was uh, selected from the University of Maryland side, and I was selected from the Johns Hopkins Health System side. And uh, we've known each other for many years, and it was a privilege to uh, to start the planning uh, together for this. So how long did it take to set up this field hospital? How large is it? And how do you do this? Like you're starting from scratch. You're in a big room in the convention center. Sure. Well, there's not a cookbook uh, really to, for this, but there is a, a deliberate process. We, how long did it take? We really started planning this uh, the first part of April, and uh, you know, and, and maybe into the early, the latter part of March. But, uh, but essentially, we had it up and running uh, within four weeks of the. Uh, of the order. Um, how do you do it? Um, you ha- you pick up a team first. I would say that we had a just a tremendous uh, pool of resources to do that. I would you know tell you that we 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 went back to where we had grown up and, and thought about this in a in a military structure, but not a military organization. And so, you need to think about your personnel first. You need to think about uh, operations. How are you going to develop processes? You need to think about logistics such as supply and security and food and water and lights and power. And and so all of that is a deliberate process. Uh, we we really took a an approach here, here at the field hospital that we knew we were in the Baltimore Convention Center. Uh, we had already uh, received backing from the state of Maryland to create the infrastructure and a, a private uh, architectural firm that builds hospitals knew very well how to how to structure this. We received bedding sets from uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and uh, through the um, through the Health and Human Services into the Maryland Department of Health, we had an infrastructure that was already designed above us, and so we were able to build the team. We were able to have uh, the tremendous structures that is a 250-bed hospital. So the capacity, Stephanie, is uh, is to uh, have 250 uh, patients. Uh, we defined our mission as uh, patients that were COVID positive and that were recovering. So we don't do intensive care. We don't do uh, children. And we do a, um, a recovering capacity. That allows the hospitals all over the state of Maryland to be able to resume their day-to-day operations. And we felt that that was the most service for the, you know, for the state of Maryland. So without too much detail, I think what we quickly arrived at was a great team that were skilled at planning all of the operations, a great uh, structure that has already got environmental control. So it's not going to get rained on like we did in, you know, occasionally in the, in the field and uh, truly not a field hospital per se, but by naming, I think it, it, it underscores that we are a contingency hospital. We're not, uh, we're not going to create the highest quality of care that you would see at uh, University of Maryland Medical Center or the Johns Hopkins Hospital, but you would see what we consider sufficiency standards, and those mean that we keep the patients safe and we get them better. 
and then we transfer them to their home uh, once they get uh, they get well. So these patients you're seeing here uh, have COVID-19, and you're putting them together in sort of a small space in a way. How do you prevent the spread of the disease? I guess they're already sick, but is there um, how do you what kind of controls do you put in place? Sure, that's a, that's a great question because we think about safety in any time we plan a hospital. And we have to think about the safety of the patients. We have to think about safety of the workforce. So we have what is what we refer to as the hot zone. And all of the patients that uh, are coming in are COVID positive. So they've had the disease and they're infective, uh, but they're also, they could get sicker. So uh, our, our staff, our physicians, our uh, nurses, our nursing staff are protected. They all use protective uh, equipment. They use masks, face shields, all that you would expect and you've heard about from, you know, from all, all over the country and the world, in fact. And so those people every shift have to get into their gear. They have to come into the hot zone. They are uh, then exposing themselves, but with that protection to caring for the patients. And essentially the layout is basically cubicles, right? You've created cubicles essentially. Yeah, you can um, you you can see online uh, some of these. These are ten by ten uh, spaces, and they're they're semi private. They have curtains, and we respect uh, each person's privacy. They are on a on a concrete floor, but they're they have uh, beds that are not cots. I I really would like to emphasize that the beds that uh, that we have uh, we received from FEMA. Uh, we're contingency cots. Uh, we use those in in other conditions, earthquakes, floods, hurricane relief. But we actually were very fortunate to have uh, to be able to supply uh, actual beds. So they have hospital beds. There's food, water, shower, baths, bathrooms. I'm sorry, but uh, and in uh, a pharmacy. So I think we we really do most of the essential services for a routine hospital. When did you start seeing patients there? When did you start bringing them in? We started, we opened on the 27th of April. Great. And you've been seeing an influx. Yes, yes. Now, you know, the trends are fortunately um, better than we expected. And we always want to be there. We want to be prepared for the worst and then hope for the best, but um, but what we have seen is is a you know a steady flow. We are, we're admitting and discharging patients every day, but I think what we're able to do is is uh, to create a, a place that's safe for them, that's and uh, fosters their improvement, uh, allows them to regain some strength. Many of these patients have been intubated and they've been uh, extensively uh, cared for for two, three, four weeks. And now they're in their weakened state. They need some help to uh, to really recover a little more before they're able to go back to their living quarters, their their facility, their home, uh, their family. And you are one of the first field hospitals sort of to be up and running. I know that the Javits Center in New York was probably the first. Well, there's uh, there's probably 20 or more uh, field hospitals across the country um each of the cities that you know that anticipated the the pandemic uh, began at different stages uh, we were we are seeing our peak uh, later than new york and certainly at a lower rate but there are hospitals in uh, houston and 
Chicago and San Francisco and uh, and really all over the country. Ours is not one of the biggest, and I don't know that it's one of the first, but uh, but we're happy to uh, you know to be there for the people from Maryland and support the the hospitals all over the country. What has this experience been like for you? It's um, it's refreshing because as an orthopedic surgeon, the COVID infection doesn't really affect us. We are, we're not experts in this. Um, as a former military officer and as a, you know, as a planner, uh, it's, uh, it's refreshing because it's not what I do every day, but it helps us feel, you know, we're, we're serving. And uh, I would speak for the physicians. We have really over 50 physicians that are here and uh, 1,200 nurses and nursing staff all of them are i think refreshed the energy is is high it's palpable uh, i feel the same way i'm pleased to uh, to be able to lead and contribute in some way to this this crisis that we're having dr james Fickey, thank you so much for joining me it's certainly my pleasure thank you stephanie thank you for listening to public health on call a new podcast from the johns hopkins bloomberg school of public health Please send questions to be covered in future podcasts to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. This podcast is produced by Josh Sharfstein, Lindsay Smith-Rogers, and Lamare Morales. Audio production by Niall Owen-McCusker and Spencer Greer, with support from Chip Hickey. Distribution by Nick Moran. Thank you for listening.